0: Even if you have the best church system, the best family discipleship routines, and you're you're spending eight hours in that education system that you're talking about, Aaron, that's, yeah. that's actively denying what you're trying to teach and instill in those other moments in the week. As, as a parent, you can't compete with that. In 50 years, how many conferences,
1: how many seminars, how many seminary graduations, and we are not at the point where we can say we need to stand.
2: But I think we got... About as many pro-life votes as there are in Ohio. And I think what that means is we need to look ourselves in the mirror and say we need to create more pro-life votes.
0: Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to the narrative. Mike Andrews, Aaron Bear, David Mahan. We have reached the end, gentlemen, of another volume of the narrative. Hard to believe, and we are going to field listener questions today in another Ask Us Anything episode. Are you ready? Oh, let's do it. Sure. I mean, we're we're yeah. kind
2: of Falling back into the the groove again of all things. You you were in committee hearings today mm-hmm. and prayer at the yeah, state we'll house. back to normal. Yeah, we're 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 not <laughs> gnashing our teeth as much around the office. <laughs> I, I heard it was <laughs> therapeutic. It was week. it was very. Ther- I, I will say, like I had a. We had a lot of good. We were just talking about the downloads we've we've gotten on the podcast. We had a lot of good downloads of that. I went back and listened to it. I was like. Man, we really were. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sorry for being sad, but it was a
1: hard. It was a hard week. I, I don't uh, know that I ever received so many hugs at the house <laughs> today. It was, it was awesome.
0: <laughs> Got to check in on David, make sure he's all right.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So appreciate the encouragement and uh, appreciate <laughs> the ability to be a little uh, transparent on the on the podcast. Not not compared to the lies Mike normally says. Oh uh, come on. That's,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, truly to to understand how great our listeners are just looking through these questions that we received today in addition to all the encouragement we've gotten over the past week or so uh, these these are some very well thought out questions there there's some challenging questions we really shouldn't expect anything less from our listeners that's kind of what we're going for they should we, expect
2: we, less from us that's the,
0: <laughs> Well that's the other thing I'm not quite sure about maybe these are people who are definitively smarter than <laughs> us and they're right. trying to yeah. own us here but you yeah. know we'll we'll tep- we'll step through it and we'll we'll see what we come up with uh as a back and forth with our Q&A today, I do want to just acknowledge off the bat, we got maybe more questions than ever, yeah. so we're not going to have time to get to them all. So please don't take offense if we don't get to your question. It's it's not personal. We just tried to, to pick the ones that we thought we could have the the most robust conversations around. And, and we do thank you for listening and submitting all those questions. With that said, first one. Uh, what plans can we put in place to keep cannabis out of our communities since many communities did vote no overwhelmingly on issue two Uh, what needs to be formulated to keep the weed industry uh, within within boundaries now that issue two is going to be the the law in ohio
2: yeah i think this is a quite honestly this is the the big question going around the state house right now um you know this is a, a little bit of a technical thing but Whereas issue one, the abortion amendment was a constitutional amendment, so the legislature's ability to do much with it is pretty limited. Um, Issue two, the marijuana one, was was an initiated statute, um, which means they just changed state law, the same thing lawmakers change all the time. And so, uh, you know, we've—I did a NPR interview the day after both passed, and— I yeah you know, I was on with a, a lawmaker and a lawmaker the, the state lawmaker was talking about some of the things they're going to look at to, to regulate and we can share some of those things. But I just said, "Hey, we should just repeal it." Like they can <laughs> they can do that. So uh you know, we we should just not have more drugs come in, right? And and we shouldn't be afraid to say to say that. Um yeah, you know, realistically that's that's probably going to be hard to have happen And so uh you know, I think some of the the baseline things they're talking about at um at the state house, are are you know potentially limiting the the THC levels? Mm-hmm. I mean, David, you you saw. I mean, what are the THC levels in this thing again? Or well, they
1: they have minimum uh, amounts of THC. So it's <laughs> like you can have a minimum of thirty five percent limit on the on the plant, and then a minimum of ninety on extracts. And but I, I think I was encouraged by President Huffman's comments that he did see. That as being suspect language, right, from the marijuana industry, and that's something that we could could take a crack at. I, I would say that um, in Colorado Springs, right. So in Colorado, it's been legal since two thousand and twelve, but recreational is not the sale of it is not legal in Colorado Springs. So you can sell the medical, but you cannot sell. Now like you can go next door in the city next door and purchase it and smoke it, but you can't. So they but they have really strong um, restraints on the sale of recreational there.
2: And, and something I think we could do here. Yeah. I think there's things like that, that we're looking at to, to you know, what we, we'd love to just see no sale in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, so you could, you could grow it, you could smoke it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you're not gonna have it commercialized. I mean, that was one of the things that, yeah, that we, yeah, that we talked a lot about um, is, is the commercialization of this is what, what hurts things a lot for, especially kids. Um, again, we don't want to see any of it, but if, if the General Assembly is looking at, at that, that would be, that'd be one direction we'd like to see them go. Um, and again, also, you know, we are a big home rule state in Ohio, which means we believe in local government. Um, and to give counties and cities uh, a lot of flexibility to say we, don't, we just don't want this here right. um, is, uh, is, is something because it's a, you know, uh, a initiated statute is something we can look at and do.
0: Moving on to the next question, and, and there's a lot of context here, so I'll try and whittle this down, but specifically responding to something we mentioned last week about uh, the need to get children out of um, out of the public school system or just to reform the education system in general. So uh, just reading some comments here from this email. While I'm acutely aware that the education system is flawed, desperately so, a mass exodus of Christians would leave it far worse off. We're taught to go into all the world and be the light. And leaving schools will do nothing but change our op- or nothing to change our opposition's perspective. Leaving schools will not show the love of God to those who need it most, and find some of the worst ways to show it instead. If the schools are emptied of Christians, the sinful mind will continue to spiral. They'll not change because we left. They will celebrate. So, h- how do we hold this intention here? Because there, there's an element of this that that is true, but certainly we still. <laughs> Still believe that these are reforms that are are necessary, and I agree with her wholeheartedly. I, yeah, I'm, I'm a, <laughs>
2: yeah, I love this question, and I'm excited to jump all over it. You're gonna let I'm gonna let,
0: I'm gonna let, let David, David first crack. <laughs> I'm gonna let
2: David go first because you know I, I got
1: I got I got hot, hot takes. You know I'm I'm if anything I'm a I'm a youth pastor. I'm a die youth pastor. I just don't see anywhere in the Bible where it was the kids' job to fight this culture war. Woo. I, I just, it, you know, and, and I know we like to say that, but you have to look at just sheer numbers of the amount of hours that our kids are being trained by Pharaoh in Egypt. And uh, and, and and you wonder why, especially with issue one, why our kids, that some of them are in our own home, but don't have, don't share our worldview. And I woke up uh, yesterday morning, guys, at, at eight, uh, three in the morning, and and it was, why, why do you not hear my words? It was John uh, chapter 8. You know, and Jesus was talking about truth, you know, and then he ends the chapter talking about why can't you hear my words? He was talking to religious folks, right? And he said, because you've been with your father, the devil, so long that my words are, are foreign to you, right? And that's why, you know, when we send our kids off most of the day to be trained by the world, most of the, most of the hours of, per day, and then when, when they get back and we find out that they, they cannot hear our words anymore, right? And then the best justification we have is, well, you know, we're supposed to be salt and light. Be salt and
2: light at the grocery store. Be- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? or, or don't you be salt and light. Don't make your kid. Right. I, I mean, we, when when we're told to go into all the world, it's not send your seven-year-old into all the world, right? right? It's you go into all the world. I'm I, I, Especially when the
1: world doesn't have to obey, right? What the parent is saying needs to happen in that school to, to our kids.
2: No, I, I, so again, I know we're, we're we're jumping on this question, and and I, I I should say, we received this question with like trusting the utmost intent, like good intent, and and like you can really hear it in the questionnaire mm-hmm. that this this person is is genuinely caring about this and trying to be faithful. So I, I'm apologies for for. Jumping on this, but this is something we're really passionate about, and I and I think it's the 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 mindset behind this that has led uh, to a lot of destruction in families, to a lot of destruction in kids' lives. Um, you know, I was with a guy in one of my Bible studies um, who was just brokenhearted after the passage of issue one because he was a you know good he was a dad raised his kids in the church, sent them to public schools. Both his daughters voted yes to kill kids. And it was, it was, he says, that because they went to public schools, right? That was what they were taught. And, um, you know, so, again, I think first and foremost, th- there's no other context that we would view it as appropriate to send our kids in as missionaries, especially when the place we're sending them is the place that we're asking to train them. Mm-hmm. I mean that. What what is school if it's not to, to train your kid and raise them up? And so we're sending them into the, the, the we're sending them a place that that is very effective at what it's doing, right? It's it's training them in a worldly mindset. Um, by all means, and what we actually see here too is a, a few different things. One, this actually sending your kid to Christian school is the most loving thing to do, not just for your kid but for those public schools, because they're so fundamentally broken that the best way to do is create an alternative and allow your light to shine of saying, hey, I mean, David saw this the first time David came to uh, Tree of Life Christian Schools. I remember he walked in and it was like, because yeah, he, he does a lot of work in the inner city Columbus schools. Tree of Life is an inner city Columbus Christian school. And it he went into the high school and it was the quiet, it was in between classes, it was so quiet, right? Because there was discipline.
1: Yeah, it, it, the spirit was amazing. This, it was not just the quiet. In the order, it was the spirit that I felt was just awesome.
2: That's yeah. that's letting our light shine to our neighbors by seeing this is how we can raise our kids, and that there's something more true and and, and beautiful here. Um, last thing I'll say is, again, by all means, let's let's stay ministry. I think about um, Columbus Christian Center where we started our our second school in a church, and Pastor Forbes there. They've started a school in a church. They also have a LifeWise Academy. They also do backpacks for kids in the public schools nearby, right? That church is still reaching out to the public schools. They've not abandoned them, but they're not expecting the kids to be the missionaries. Yeah,
1: I think the other problem here, because I have a lot of these discussions, um, I loved uh, for 20 years, I loved being in the inner city schools all across the country. And I did all of them, rural, suburban, everything, country. But, but the whole thing, though, most people that I have this discussion with have no concept of how utterly horrible some of these schools yeah. are. Yeah. I think this person is coming from a good district, like a strong academic district. Everybody knows each other. Everybody's got their best interest. But that is, that is just a handful. Um, kids are crying out, get me out of here. Yeah. When, when I say tears, I mean tears. I don't want to be here. It's dangerous here. It's not safe here. Um, they know their C is is a F. You know, to any of the suburban schools, they're learning this now, and uh, and they don't want to be there. So I, I just think it's a it's a lack of of perspective uh, mm-hmm. when I'm talking to so many of these folks.
0: And I think it's worth noting too here, guys, that the the model that we're talking about isn't necessarily just Christians pulling out. It's creating opportunities for other people to come to. Right? Too. right. Like the, oh, yeah. This isn't only this isn't just creating that holy huddle that we talk about right. where it's only Christians like we want these in places where it's going to do the most good for the most people. That's right. Certainly helping believers raise their kids the way they want to but also providing those viable options that you're talking about to to end some of that suffering in in those and, poorly performing schools.
2: And, and again, I think this is one of these fundamental questions that we have to step back and ask, what is education? Right? Um, And if education is, let's say, let's use a a rough definition of of better understanding the world around you and how to operate in it, right, how to live in it, how can you get a true education if your education is teaching you to deny the existence of the one who created everything and gave everything purpose? Uh, like it, it's it, this is just one of those false ideas, and I, I, I am a product of public schools, right? This is one of these these false ideas, and you can tell, just <laughs> Hannah. <right>. It's like, <laughs> uh, th- th- this is one of those those false ideas that, in our sort of diversity and pluralism culture of tolerance culture, that we've allowed ourselves to believe a lie of the left that you know all ideas are equal, all ideas. No, I mean. All people are, are, are equal in value in the eyes of God, um, even if they have wrong ideas, right? Um, but not all ideas are the same, mm-hmm. and some ideas are true and some ideas are false, and we believe there is only one way to understand the world. And when you're in an education that is now not just not teaching that truth, but also actively teaching that that truth is a lie, calling evil good and good evil, you can't have true education. Um, and uh, again, it's, it's what makes, uh, this quest over this battle over education. So, so much bigger than just critical theory or politics or even academics. Um, it's, it's a a true question of soul. Yeah. And
0: and I don't mean to belabor this question, but this is a conversation we were having in our family the other night, because we're we're talking about this exact thing that you both have mentioned where you spend so much time learning from Pharaoh and. Even if you have the best church system, the best family discipleship routines, you're what, hour in church Sunday morning, two hours of youth group, maybe thirty minutes of devotionals a night, and you're you're spending eight hours in that education system that you're talking about, Aaron. That's yeah. that's actively denying what you're trying to teach and instill in those other moments in the week. As, as a parent, you can't compete with that. Mm-mm. You just can't. And that that's why those alternative options are necessary. Yeah. Let's move on to the, the next one. And this is actually another topic that I think we were just talking about this morning in our yeah. team meeting, Aaron, about the unity we saw in the, the pro-life coalition around issue one in spite of the you know disappointing result, to say the least. But the, the question is, how do we maintain that growth in the community among pro-lifers that we've been blessed with and then become stronger to build for the battles that are still yet to come? It seems that... Um, people are tired and defeated and ready for a break, and, and maybe the listener says that that's just him. So how do we keep the pro-life community engaged for for what's coming up?
1: I, Mike, I've done two um, pregnancy center banquets in the last couple of weeks. One was after uh, the election, and I'm telling you, they are fired up. Their donors are fired up. Like, I, I don't think that's the problem. i <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Those those hundred and fifty, hundred and seventy, you know, or so groups across the state that have been in, on, on the front line in the trenches, you know, they they cared about those thirty thousand babies as much as anybody else. But in terms of their grind, in terms of their their will to keep moving forward and doing what they do in the community, um, that they knew that wasn't changing, um, you know. And so they they are just moving head forward. I, I think I think the biggest concern is to get more of the body to adopt those ministries. Um, they've been supported in the past, but the level to which they're gonna have to be supported has to go up. So my concern is not with the pregnancy center directors and centers themselves, it's that the the increase in giving that is necessary, that that takes place.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I think a, a a few different things to, to this question. Um, and, and since we're still early in the podcast and not having to do a time crunch, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go way, way back here to, to, to answer this question. Um, we were just talking we had a, a prayer at the statehouse event and afterwards we talked to talked to a group of pastors. Um, and again, I think I said this last week. Like I'm not gonna sit here and say that we ran a perfect campaign, but I think we got about as many pro life votes as there are in Ohio. And I think what that means is we need to look ourselves in the mirror and say we need to create more pro life votes um you know the the we need to just dis- disciple more pro life votes is probably the way to 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 think about that um you know the it, the illusion or thought of there being a, a a moral moral majority or silent majority um at least in this specific issue i think is we we have to recognize that's not certainly not the case anymore if it ever was um and I think to some degree it, it, it was, but I think there's this is a, a, a an expressly um, sort of stark situation. I will say, as a voting block, I think Christians are still, you know, while well, we're we're not. I don't think anybody ever thought that you know, sort of evangelical, Catholic, conservative Christians were 51 percent of the country. I don't think anyone ever thought that. I think it's still an important voting block for for building a coalition to to win an election. So I think we still have. An important sway in in that regard when you're talking about voting for candidates, and so that's why I think we need to stay engaged to keep those that accountability in place. But we need to recognize um, we have to go create more pro life votes. Um, so to the, the 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 question here, I think one, I, I agree with David. Like the the aftershocks of this have been encouraging to me, right? Of pastors, denominational leaders. Um, you know, priests, different folks I've talked to saying we didn't realize how, where our people actually were, and we've got to do something about this, right? So I, th- I think this is, you know, you, you combine this with COVID and the trans stuff and BLM and everything else, the, the stuff you're seeing with Israel and Hamas, um, and there's a real awakening in an encouraging way. Um, but to, to David's point about the pregnancy centers, I think that's absolutely right? I also think though, we have to re- we have to give ourselves some credit um, over the work we've been doing for the last several decades. Um, like we ha- we've been doing a lot with pregnancy centers. We've been doing a lot with students like students for life doing sort of apologetics and, and things like that. I think this is where we have to look in the mirror and say, we have to keep doing all that and we actually have to do more of that. But the, what we have right now isn't enough. We've got to do more, right? um and that's what's encouraging to me about okay we got to get kids out of public schools right but there's there's even more than that as well we we, and these are the questions i'm i'm working through at ccv right now is what we need to add to what we're doing to be able to create more pro-life voters and and honestly i'll just say too i loved our conversation with monica snyder i think as a strategy and practically you know the only way you're gonna we're, we're, you're gonna really be able to be a pro life voter in a systematic way in America today is if you're a Christian. That's what I was about to say. It's <laughs> like, no I, I, more broad than pro life voter. Yeah, we need Christian voters. We need Christian voters, yeah. and 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 that's the like, it's why evangelism and and everything else is what matters. It, it, like, it, it, it's the core of what we're doing. We can't try to segment out. You know, I'm social conservative, or I'm, uh, you know. I, I love being—I'm a social conservative, but we want Christian voters, not just— That's right, and yeah. they're not the same. They're
0: not. Yeah. Well, that leads perfectly into the next question that we have here, um, and and essentially it's asking that very thing about how do we focus our, our effort and energy. So knowing that CCV is involved in informing and contributing to connecting the, the Christian church on, on key issues— um, do you agree that going forward uh, for some time in in the near future, the primary or very close to the primary effort and energy within our organization and others like us should be directed toward influencing the Christian church so that the church can uh, subsequently influence others?
2: Yes. Next question.
0: No, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh,
2: <laughs> you know, a few years ago when we, we made the name change from Citizens for Community Values to Center for Christian Virtue, um, this was kind of at the heart of it was... We we need to disciple and shepherd the church, right? That's that's first and foremost. That's who we're called to love first, right? We'll, well, love love Jesus, love others. In particular, again, you read the Gospels and you see care for brothers and sisters in the church is of top priority. So that's that's who we are here. But um, I think what we're going to see through this, um, and we're doing some exit polling right now uh, on on issue one, and, and already there's been some others that show one. I, I, the one that was sent to me this morning was uh three out of seven self identified evangelicals voted voted yes uh, on issue one um yeah i mean I don't
1: know how you move past that
2: yeah i mean it, it's it's so that's work to do in our church um and again, who knows what evangelical means but that that's what they're they, that's how they're identifying um and so like we we've we've gotta we've got to be aware of that, and, and we also have to I think the one thing we were so inspired by the reaction from pastors to get involved, but you know I think we have to be honest with ourselves say, hey we needed this ten years ago, mm-hmm. right if you're just now talking about this for the first time yeah. and i'm not I'm sure a lot of pastors have been i'm not this is not here to rag on all pastors, but if you're just now talking about this after your people have been discipled by the world so much for the better part of the last decade. It's a little too little.
1: I, man, I struggle with saying, I, you know, I struggle with saying this because, so the Lord, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning the other night, and, um, and before that, um, in church, I had a hard time in service, right? So, and it wasn't that my church wasn't doing enough. My church is phenomenal on this. My pastor and his wife, phenomenal on this, supported the people. But I could not worship. It was like I was having a hard time singing, the words and um and I heard the Lord say don't let them just sing over this right we're talking about the dismembering of children in the womb we just sanction that think about that it's not about like like one team beating another and all oh, shake it off like like we just sanctioned that as a state and the Lord I felt him say don't don't let them sing over this mm-hmm. Right? Like happened in the Nazi, you know, in Nazi Germany, where they just said, well, just sing louder when the trains were going by. We're not going to think about it, right? And um, and I thought, well, maybe that that was just me. The next song said, sing a little louder. That was mm-hmm. that was one of the, the, the verses of the song. Wow. Not to say, again, I want to dishonor my church, because my church was on, it was the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's just singing over. It. Well, you know, God is still on the throne. He's still good. Absolutely. God's not the problem. We fail God. Ooh. We fail God. And when you look at 12 million people in the state of Ohio, 11.7, something like that, there was only 1.7, 1.6 million no votes. So let's say all 1.6 were believers. Where are we at, family? How many, in 50 years, how many conferences, how many seminars, how many seminary graduations, how many prophetic conferences? (laughs) And we are not at the point where we can say we need to stand for not murdering children in the womb. Family, if, if we can't stand for that of the body, what are we shouting for? Uh, I don't listen. And again, I, I'm with Don't Get Mad at Me. Don't Blow Up Mike's email. I'm telling you, the most beautiful thing I've seen in 48 years in terms of culture is how the remnant of the body came together in this season of issue one. It's, it was beautiful. But the remnant by
0: far is not big enough. Yeah, uh, Aaron, you want to pass the collection plate now? Uh, exactly. Have a he ain't passed the collection <laughs> plate in a three right, years. I've been here.
1: Kids ain't eating three. years. <laughs> uh,
0: an, an adjacent question to that about mobilizing the church, and and you alluded to this a little bit, Aaron, um, creating unity within the body. The, the division between the church and the culture is becoming more defined. So how does the church at a local level unite to take action in our communities in this season? And and I'll just say, this this is what we were trying to do, and we did see some good fruit with um, leaders from all denominations coming together to denounce issue one, and, and hopefully those are the seeds that you're talking about we're going to be able to build from as we go forward. And remember that, as you said uh, in a meeting we had, that there's more that unites us than divides us. No,
2: that, that, that's right. And, and You know, this when I saw this question, it reminds me of a few years back. We had the staff read um, Rod Dreher's book, "Live Not by Lies," uh, and a lot of that, uh, a lot of the context of of Rod's book um, came out of talking with um, sort of survivals survivors of uh, of the Soviet Union, right? Uh, And you know. One of the things you saw uh, in the the body of believers at that time was just a real unity around God's Word, uh, around around Jesus and the Trinity, um, and you saw you know Baptists and Catholics and you know Presbyterians and all all these folks you know passing around tracts uh, that had been illegally printed of of, of the Bible um, because. You know, the bottom line was, if you were proclaiming Jesus in the Soviet Union, you were an enemy of the state, mm-hmm. right? Um, and again, thank God, it's 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 not there right now in America. But I think we we have to have a little bit of that mentality and um, of uh, and let me also just give due deference here. I'm not trying to say the theological differences between. You know different Christian sects and denomination and things like that don't matter like I we those are important conversations because you know doctrine and theology help us better understand the nature of who God is and uh, I, I I don't want to act like those things don't matter and we shouldn't talk about them but I am saying right now uh where we are there's so much more that brings us together um and I think for us what what our hope is and and some of the things that I've been kicking around uh, in in my head and, and with some some folks about where what we need to add to what we do with CCV is really helping um, everybody, but especially pastors uh, understand the times um, that we're in. I mean, how, the reality is you go to seminary and you get trained up on reading Hebrew and Greek, um, but how much conversation do you have about bioethics and things like artificial reproductive technology and in vitro fertilization? How much conversation do you have about uh, drug use and family formation and what what addiction does to to people? How much you know? How much training do you get on um, you know family formation and uh, and really understanding the roots of the sexual revolution and how that's being taught on your flock? I mean, I think a lot of these questions um, mo- most pastors just don't get the training on, right? And so. Um, you know you get really deep and rich theological sermons um, but the application for where a lot of folks are, are they're struggling with right um, so that fundamental question the Chuck Colson question of how now shall we live is really hard for people to answer in in the light of because, pastors just haven't been trained or haven't been confronted with a lot of these thoughts. And, and so this is not a, a rant against pastors or things like that. This is, I think a challenge to us and a challenge to folks in local communities to see, okay, how can we really help to better understand what's going on? Because again, with all of these topics, this is what your people are dealing with on a day-to-day basis, day to day basis. Right. Um, and, and again, it's, it's what I would always say about the transgender stuff like or, or abortion pastor, you're, if you're not talking about this you're the only one you're the only person in your congregants life that's not talking about it because everybody
0: else is follow-up question to to issue one here and um you know this is a question that i had after after watching the republican debates last week after issue one failed but but i'll go to the email here to phrase it and then i'll i'll kick us off with a with a few thoughts but um essentially the question is um you know, this person asked several pro-life activists how they would vote if the next constitutional amendment specified a certain number of weeks before the state had an interest in protecting the life of the unborn. Um, Four out of five in this, you know, person's survey said that they would not compromise. But the the question that follows here is, for the sake of the unborn, is this a time for compromise? And, And it's a question that rang with me after, catching some of the highlights of that Republican debate, because in the aftermath of Ohio, there were many of the candidates pointing to our state and saying, this is the line here is uh, the Supreme Court put this back in the hands of the states. States are deciding it. I might be personally pro-life, but those states have made a pro-choice decision, and that's how it's going to stay. And with such a a moral issue, a core moral issue here, I, I just don't see how we can step completely out of it to that degree but then um, it's a secondary question then to figure out where is that line where you compromise to save babies
2: yeah and and you know it's, it's a funny question because uh, I think a lot of times you know especially in pro-life circles this can become sort of a purity race um, the the, uh, the first answer is do we compromise on life and the answer is absolutely not right we, we continue to Make clear and and speak honestly and and um, even advocate for the protection of all human life, right? That that's that's what we have to do. We can't if we don't. The the, the very rocks would cry out, right? Like I mean, it, it's it is it's the reality of what we have to do. But then you have to get to the the, the question after that, which is okay. So if that's that's where we want to be, um, and the, we have a, the question before us of how do we save as many lives as possible, um, then yeah, we, we do what we can to save as many of those lives that we can, right? Um, and I, I don't understand how this is even a, honestly, a controversial statement. If, if right now we have a law that's going to allow 30,000 kids to get killed every year, if I can do something to make that 25,000, if I can do something to make that 10 or 15 or whatever, yes, let's do that. Um, and then continue to, because again, we're not, we're talking about somebody's life. We're talking about a person, right? And so I, I'm, I'm not going to sacrifice, um, you know, and, 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 you know, it's to the best of my knowledge, I don't see anywhere out there where it's like, if I take this path, I save every life. If I take this path, I save this many. look if there's a path for us to take to save every life, let's take it. Um, I don't think there's that path before us right now, but we're going to, we, we have to continue to 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 work towards that um, again. I, I think this is this is the story of of America. I mean, again, you think about the 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 abolitionists that were a part of the founding of the country that wanted to put an abolition of of slavery in the uh, in the U.S. Constitution. Um, and they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't get the votes to get it done. But what they did is they put the core principles in place that allowed us to 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 get there. Um, and. Um, I, I, you know, compromise in that sense has always been a part of the American experience.
1: It's that what I wrestle with this whole thing is like, yes, that's, that's righteous enough, right? Like, like no babies deserve to die, right? Like that the, the baby in the womb is, is, is worth and valued as much as the baby in the arm. And so we, 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 we proclaim that, that righteousness, we proclaim that authority, right? Um, but yet when we look at the numbers, right, that's what I'm saying, don't sing over it. When you look at the numbers... All it takes is people to vote. Like, like, get out there and win the hearts of the people, right? Because this that's the nature of where we live. Um, and I think we've we've gone 50 years too much of talking to each other. Let's have this discussion in churches, like to pastors. Let's have this discussion in school, right? Um, fetal, uh, fetal development in school. Let's talk about when is a baby a baby. Don't have to talk about abortion, just talk about life, right? How old? Were you when you look like this at at 16 weeks, 22 weeks, right? Let's have these discussions. But this thing where we just coming at each other's throats, win the people, right? Because I just don't, we just just learned a lesson of where 56% of votes were yes votes. 40, what, 43% no votes. Um, No matter how righteous we want to call it, no matter how we want to beat up on other Christian organizations in our churches, How many of your congregation voted? What did your children vote? Yes or no? Right? Like, we have to ask ourselves these tough questions. And, And I personally, I feel like with some of these conversations that are going on, they need a CCV to grow from. Without having somebody that's in the limelight, that's doing the work, right, that's grinding every day, without stepping on their backs, you have nowhere to go. Nobody knows who you are. And that's what a lot of this is. Yeah. Right, I think most people understand that where we are
2: in the state of Ohio right now. But a lot of these discussions are just opportunistic. Well, and, and and again, and this is the thing about like, do, do we want to make a point, or do we want to make a difference? Right. Do we want to make ourselves feel good about our righteousness, or do we want to? To David's point, it's and we, you know, because of social media and and things like podcasting. Thanks, Vince. Um, <laughs> what's what's really incentivized today is is. Is grandstanding and, and chest thumping right um, and I think what the, the reality is um, what's needed is that it is that really hard flesh to flesh conversation with you know not just your church but you know let's say you go to a church where everyone's really solid you know going to a pastor and having a conversation about about maybe what they're they've not been doing. You know, if, if if I pick up the phone and call a church and say, "Hey, you, you are, uh, you're not holding up God's standard of righteousness. You're being soft. You're being weak. You're allowing kids to be killed," they're they're going to hang up the phone. That's right, right. And and I'm I've not get to pat
1: yourself on the back, but I get to, to your tell five my exactly. donors like, "Hey, we stood for righteousness."
2: Right. <laughs> and and that's the and honestly that, that that's the like what what our heart here is with CCV in particular is we. We don't hide from God's righteous standard. We proclaim we are for life from the very beginning until its natural end, and we have the track record to prove it, unlike anybody else. Um, but what we are so concerned about as well is how do we make disciples and, and shepherd um, the, the Church in Ohio to to be the force that we need to be right now, because there's lives on the line, and that's that's really hard, that's a grind, Um, it, it takes a lot of wins and a lot of losses along the way. Um, but, but it's what you got to do.
0: Yeah. And, and I think there's some context needed for the word compromise because maybe fleshing out your point a little bit, Aaron, if you're saying that, well, you're, you're compromising because if you take this stand, if you say this number of weeks is acceptable, then, then I'm done fighting. Like I'm not going to fight beyond that. Like that's a compromise, but to say this is being offered right now and that's going to save lives, then I'll take that. But I kind of have to ask, too, on the other side of that, if you're saying, nope, it's all or nothing, and you're being offered opportunities to save lives and you're not doing it, is that compromising? Right. Yeah. Like, that, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Last question. I think this is a good place to, to land the plane, and um, it's going to build off of the conversation that we had last week. And, you know, how do we maintain hope? in the face of a stream of losses discouraging data about voters legislation in the future with with where people are so as we look at issue one issue two um you know how how do we keep going how do we stay in this fight aaron well david's not gonna answer (laughs) david's David's still a debbie downer yeah david (laughs)
1: The reason why we don't have a camera here right (laughs) (laughs) Narks,
0: right so
2: so let me say again um and you guys, y'all, y'all heard it last week. We, we, we're, we're certainly hurting after issue one's loss um, for, for so many reasons. At the same time, um, that doesn't undo, like, first off, let me just answer the political question. We, we've suffered some losses on the, the life front. We've also gotten some wins in many other important fronts, right? I think about what's, what's happened on the school choice front, right? The, the fact that in this year, Every child in the state was made eligible to actually get the resources needed to get out of public schools, right? I mean, that, that is a real win. Um, you know, I, I always go back to, um, we, we almost take it for granted here now every year in Ohio, but like the LGBT bills, they get pushed uh, in, in a lot of other states. We've killed those in so many states. Most of those bills, the, the equivalent of the Equality Act, they're not going anywhere, right and especially in ohio and but even in congress right now right we've we have done so many successful things uh to uh to, to 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 be excited about and again this isn't just hey you know pat us on the back for the work we've done no this is this is tangible wins that the the christian movement conservative movement whatever you want to call it has had this year right and so i don't think it would be right i don't think it's an accurate assessment um to, to to see like all oh, the conservative movements in complete retreat by all means we have a mess right now in a lot of ways um that that has to be addressed but there are there are signs of encouragement and I will say um you know what's most encouraging and this goes back to something David said earlier is just generally um the the awareness in the body of Christ right. about what's going on that to me is the thing I'm most excited about that's the thing like, you know, and even again, I'm going to bring it back to CCV. We went and looked at at the, you know, a talk I, I did about three years ago, and to th- I went back and, and watched it, and so much of what we were talking about at the time was preparing for this kind of moment. Um, and so I, I look at this this building that we're in. I look at I think we're at like something like 27 on the team right now at CCV. It's it's amazing, um, and we're, God has really been preparing us for the long road ahead but it's again it's got to be a little bit different than what we've done before um, and uh, and it's got to be as relentless if not more um, because a lot of these things are going to be a little bit more challenging especially in the short run
1: yeah you know to what you just said Aaron about you know talking to folks that that we don't normally talk to you know to, to expand the camp, um, I'm having pastors for the last... Well, since the election, what's the next move? Yeah. Pastors, right? Pastors would have just been like, well, we could just keep praying. Now they're like, pray, pray, educate. Pray, pray, activate. I mean, it's... it's They understand the fight. Whereas before, they were kind of in this bubble of the church and not realize how the church impacts the larger picture. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I, I just heard this morning uh, an African-American pastor with a, probably one of the youngest black congregants, uh, median age congregations, like 30 or whatever. Um, um, or median age is probably 20, right? Because a lot of them are under 30. But amazing church. And he started a whole organization, Choose Life Ohio. You know, that wasn't just a campaign to get a handful of pastors to sign on to vote. No, it's an actual organization that's moving forward and like, okay, what what's the messaging? What's the strategy Um, to reach more of our community because we know of these 30,000 lives, almost 50% of them are going to be us, right? And we got to stand against that, Um, whether it's through the pregnancy centers or some ministry in the church, but we got to talk about it at the very least. That would never have happened without issue one, right, in the work that we did um, and others did here in the state. So praise God.
0: Well, we did it, fellas. We got through all of them. (laughs) I wish I could say it was enlightening, but I'm no. I'm sure it was uh, for our listeners. Thank you so much for uh, su- submitting your questions, for engaging with us throughout the throughout the season. We look forward to uh, connecting with you again after the new year. We're gonna hit pause for the holidays and then come back with uh, with new episodes shortly after the first of the year. And uh, look forward to talking about all kinds of stuff. Who knows what's even gonna happen in, in six oh, weeks? Who knows what we'll be talking idea about?
1: Ideas. Don't, don't you worry. The fourth <laughs> horseman of the
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here comes David riding the black horse yeah, with the scales in his hand. Races. Well, I got to be the black horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everybody for listening to this week's episode of The Narrative. Uh, we appreciate the questions and we look forward to connecting with you after the first of the year. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Narrative, presented by CCV and produced by Westler Media. If you found today's episode insightful, leave us a review or rating and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We're your hosts, Mike Andrews, Aaron Baer, and David Mahan, and we'll see you next time on The Narrative.